Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. Well, this week we're going to continue our talk about some habits that we need to have in our lives. We're going to continue sort of this discussion of of these heart habits, these these parts of our lives that we need to really invest in in our lives. Last week we we talked about how there's some basic things that that we as Christians should be doing, and yet the statistics will bear out and that, that not all of us are. In fact, Most of us aren't. Last week we talked about reading our Bible and we looked at the statistics of who reads their Bible and how how many people will will profess to read their Bible every day or read their Bible every week or read their Bible every month or every year. And then we looked at the statistics and we just wanted to encourage each other to say we need to spend time in the Word of God. And last week we we, we talked about that. And and after I had preached, Lori said, I've got a great testimony that I'd like to... Well, she didn't say great, but I'm going to say great. Uh, she didn't try and sell herself that way. I've got a great testimony. No, um, but she said she, she's got a testimony about, about the, how the word of God impacted her and changed her life. And so she said, would you like me to come and share it? And I said, yes, please. So Lori, please come and share. Hey, good morning. Good morning, church. Um, yeah, it was just um, so inspiring to be reminded about being in the Word, and I remembered um, just a very impactful time in my life where, and it was about 20 years ago, and, but prior to that kind of 20-year mark, I realized, I I had this defining moment where I realized I'd been um, really, the word backslidden, or I had been absent from relationship with the Lord for about seven years. I had not been, I hadn't read my Bible for like seven years, and the moment was actually this. I didn't tell Brad that. Um, I was, uh, we were driving, uh, my husband at the time, we were driving from Vancouver to our home, and we had a friend who had a brain tumor in the hospital, and he said, let's go visit Michael, and I was like, no, I just want to get home, I'm going to miss my workout, like seriously, (laughs) that's pretty bad. We ended up visiting him, and I ended up leading him to the Lord in my very backslidden state and it was like this wake-up call I, I I need to start I I realized that I had not read my Bible for like seven years and so I knew other than heading back to church that I needed to just start opening up my Bible and so I did that I just opened my Bible I put it in a place where I would see it every day sometimes it was the morning sometimes it was the evening I'd read my Bible my ultimate goal was to be reading it every day, but I was okay with just two or three times a week because that was better than what I was doing the last seven years. And I began in the Psalms, and I came, uh, the first day I, I had a journal and um, that I put beside my Bible, and I started to read. And I came across this Psalm, and it was David just pleading with his heart to God, saying, revive me, restore me, God, revive me. And as I'm reading, I'm like, I'm so dry. 
I do not feel anything at all. And that, that was my prayer. God, revive me. Restore me. Give me personal revival. And that's how I started. And then, you know, it was like three days a week, maybe two days a week. That's all I was doing. And eventually, I didn't realize it, but the word became very rich to me. And I would read with expectation. And I would just, I might only read like four verses. And then one would pop out at me. And I'd just camp there. And I'd underline it. And I'd journal about it. And I'd apply it to my life personally. And I, about a year later, I looked back at that beginning of that journal. And I realized that God had indeed revived me. And I, I, if I hadn't written that down, I wouldn't have remembered that. And so, church, I just, I just pray that if you're in need of revival of restoration um, that that you would receive that and that you would just start getting into the word more so than you are now and that you would you would experience that revival and I want to encourage you that he's a redeemer he redeems time and if you feel like you've maybe lost out or you've made mistakes been and it's been a long time uh, I just want to encourage you that he is a redeemer of time. He's a redeemer of everything. So that's my testimony. Last week we talked just about that, that about if you haven't been reading God's word, you don't have to feel guilty and shame and worry that God's mad at you, and that you're going to do this and he's just going to be like, what do you think you're doing now? Too late, pal. That, that when we come to God, he will minister to us. Even when we haven't read our Bible in seven years, we can come back and God is still excited to bless us. This week, we're going to ta tackle other of these habits that are so vitally important to be a part of our lives. And, and yet the unfortunate truth for many of us is, is that this just isn't a part of our lives, at least in the that it should be. This week we're going to talk about prayer. And so for many of us, you know, if the question is, do we pray every day? And, and for many of us, the answer can be yes, because we pray, dear God, thank you for this food. Amen. And, and so we, we pray every day, but it, it's really a habit and a ritual that, that we say at the beginning of, of a meal because we think we're supposed to do that. But that can encompass for so many of us the, the extent of our prayer lives. And in some ways... Prayer is both super easy and yet it can be so challenging on the, at the same time. On the one hand, prayer is easy. Prayer is surprisingly easy. You don't have to learn how to pray. There's no formula. There's no procedure. There's no string of magic words or phrases that you have to say. You can begin to talk with God and share what's on your mind. You can come to the Lord with whatever it is that you want to say. And that's prayer. Prayer, prayer can be super easy. It's, it's amazing to think that we get God's ear. God who made us and knows everything about us invites us to come to him. And in fact, he, it will, scripture will tell us that he invites us to come boldly into his presence and share with him. Prayer is surprisingly easy. But although prayer can be easy, prayer is also hard. It may be one of the hardest things that we do. Our minds wander. We can struggle to be honest. We can end up seeing prayer as a duty rather than a privilege. We can begin to question whether prayer 
is even really worth it. Prayer, prayer is supposed to be easy, but we can find it hard. We begin to worry. We don't know what to say. We have a hard time slowing down. We, we can feel like I'm just talking to myself. I'm just speaking to the darkness. I, I'm just speaking words into the air. We, we can wonder if God is there. We can struggle with whether or not my prayers make a difference. That, that it's easy to come in prayer, but sometimes prayer is hard. But God created prayer as a way for him to know us and for us to know him. The purpose of, of prayer isn't to look like we've got it all together. And the purpose of prayer is not just to say to one another, I'll pray for you, as sort of a Christian response to something going on in somebody's life. That sometimes we can, we can treat, I'll pray for you, like, like, hi, how are you? Like, when, when we say to somebody, hi, how are you? You know, usually there's a correct response that we're looking for. If somebody says to you, hi, how are you? The correct response is, good, how are you? But it's, it's like a greeting. You know, at the, at the grocery store, you say, you're coming through the checkout, and the person says, hi, how are you? You say, good, how are you? And they say, good. And if any part of that, that exchange looks different, it feels weird. Hi, how are you? Well, let me tell you. Wait, no. That's not the correct answer to the question. We culturally have determined a correct answer to this question. And we can do the same thing with I'll pray for you in Christian circles. That somebody comes to you and says, oh, I'm just not doing well. I'll pray for you. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to pray for you. But it's a Christian way of saying I hope things get better for you. And when they do, maybe you'll remember that I said I'll pray for you. But really, I'm not going to pray for you. It's just the thing we say to each other. And it's not to be used as a business transaction. It's not somehow, okay, God, you want me to pray, so I'm going to pray. Now I've prayed. Okay, now you're supposed to do this. And it's not supposed to be a, an Amazon wish list. The, the purpose of prayer is to grow closer in relationship with God. God wants us to see him as, as that friend who's always ready and excited to listen. He'll, he'll never tell you that you're sharing too much. He'll never be distracted or too tired to give you his full attention. And just like when, when Lori shared about it being a long time since she's been in the Word, even when it's been a long time between conversations, he's always ready to pick back up where you left off without any hard feelings. But prayer is hard. In fact, often in our lives, we, we think that, that for God to hear our prayers, that in order for my prayers to matter, in order for, for me to really get credit for this prayer, that I have to, to pray right. Or I've got to speak in certain ways or, or to use certain phrases and to present ourselves in a certain way when we pray. Um, I'm sure many of us have, have prayed like this over time or, or been with people who prayed like this. That, that you know them well, but then when they begin to pray, all of a sudden their language changes. And, and it doesn't sound like them anymore. And all of a sudden they're saying these and thous. And, and you're like, what, what is happening? Because sometimes we can feel like in order for God to hear my prayer, I can't pray like me. I've got to pray like somebody else more holy. That, that I, if I use language that I think sounds like maybe the Bible, 
God will hear what I'm saying. But if I come to him and I just talk to him like Brad, he's not going to be impressed by that. He's not going to hear that. He's not going to answer a Brad prayer. And so we, we come to him in, in these things. But, but it's funny because as so many of us can struggle with, with the desire to sound holy and godly in our prayers and not to just simply pray from, from the heart, it's, it's a strange thing. And, and you can see and understand the spiritual battle that we're in because it's not only that God doesn't command us to do that, but God actually warns us against trying to make our prayers sound like something they're not. And so we exist inside of this spiritual battle where, where Jesus has said, don't pray like this. And yet somehow we still feel like we need to like perform when we're praying for God to hear us. Jesus will, will tell us when he, right before, when we read earlier the, this morning, the Lord's Prayer, right before that, Jesus gives a description of how not to pray. And he'll say this, he'll say, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus, Jesus says to us, when we pray, don't try and perform. Prayer is not a performance. Don't, we don't need to try and impress people when we pray. We don't need to try and impress God when we pray. Don't try and pray in a way that, that if people were to hear you pray, they would say, man, they've got it together. They're, they're holy people. Did you hear how he prayed? How he seamlessly interwove scripture in with what he was praying and all the words that he used. He sounded so biblical. Wow, that guy can really pray. But instead he says, pray like you're all by yourself. Don't pray like there's people around you. Pray like you've gone into your closet. You've shut the door. There's no one around. No one can hear you except for you and God. Pray like that. What would you say if there was just you and God and nobody else around? That's how I want you to pray. That's how Jesus says he wants us to pray. Don't come to God thinking the more amazing your prayer is. Whatever that might mean to you. Don't, don't come to God thinking the more amazing your prayer is the more powerful it's going to be. And he tells us, don't fall into the trap of, of somehow thinking longer is better. That, that in order for me to pray, I can't pray short and have it be effective. That, that I need to keep saying something in order to fill this space because if I only pray for 20 seconds, God can't hear that that the signal's got to be going for at least three minutes before God can receive it. That don't fall into this trap of, of thinking if you just keep
keep talking and talking and talking and talking, eventually it'll mean something. But instead, Jesus says, don't do that. Longer doesn't mean better. Longer doesn't mean more powerful. Longer doesn't mean God's going to hear it better. In fact, Jesus will say, when, in what we just read, Jesus will say, that's how people who don't know God think. That, that he'll say, that's how the pagans pray. The people who don't know God, that's how, how people who don't, if you don't know God, then you might think that God is impressed with long prayers. But don't think like the people who don't know God. Pray like you know me, because you do. Jesus told a story about this as well in Luke chapter 18. It'll say this. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So immediately we set the context. Pharisee, um, Pharisee essentially was like a religious policeman. Um, their, their job was to enforce the law of Moses. So they weren't like a, a, a regular policeman that would go around enforcing the laws of, of Rome or whatever, but, but the, the old laws of the Old Testament, essentially their job was to make sure you knew them and make, make sure you follow them. So in theory, if you are a religious policeman, you must be fairly religious. You must be an example to the people around you. Now, tax collector, on the other hand, total other end of the spectrum. Um, they were looked down upon. They were despised. No one would confuse a tax collector with godly. And so you have this person who's a, who's a Pharisee. They, they are the, the upper echelon of religious society. They are the ones that, that people would look around and look to and go, that's somebody who knows exactly what God wants. And then you have a tax collector, and a tax collector is someone that everyone would say, that is a person who knows nothing about what God wants. And so we've got these two people, and, and they both went to the temple to pray. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get. He, he is praying a very religious prayer. God, look at what I am. God, look at what I do. And the tax collector, or verse 13 will say, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he beat on his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. See, the, the Pharisee is praying so that people can hear him. The Pharisee is praying what he wants other people to hear. Is he's praying to God, but he's also wanting the people around him to hear how awesomely religious he is. How amazing he is. That, that you know, oh, I don't want you to just overhear this, but I'm going to talk loud enough so that you can overhear. God, I thank you that I fast twice a week. Abe, did you, did you hear that? Not, not that you need to be listening, but, but did you hear that I fast twice a week? Ezra, did you, did you hear that I give a tenth of everything I have? I wasn't saying it so that you could hear it, but perhaps you, you could hear it. I'm just, you don't have to overhear what I have to say, but if you happen to have overheard what I said, well, I bet you're pretty impressed. You, you think God's going to, listen to that, you think God's going to answer my prayer? You better believe it, friend. And then you have the, the tax collector. And he prays like somebody who's gone into their closet, shut the door, 
and it's just him and God. And I'm no longer trying to pray impressively loud enough that Abe and Ezra go home going, did you hear how good Pastor Brad is? But he comes to his God with the door closed by himself alone and just, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Nobody's shouting that one from the rooftops. See what Jesus says. I tell you that this man, the, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. So God did hear one of those prayers. God did hear one, but maybe not the one that the two men thought. Maybe not the one that everybody around them thought, that as they heard him pray, and they, wow, he's so great, God's going to hear that. And then the other guy, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, God wants us to talk to God like we know him. God wants us to talk to God like he knows us. In the Old Testament, God's people had to offer these purifying sacrifices to be in his holy presence. But now we can talk to God one-on-one -on -one without all of the pomp and circumstance. Think about when you were little. Maybe for some of you, that's, that's really easy. For some of you, little was a long time ago, and maybe you can't quite go back that far. But maybe think about when you had little kids, and you'd ask them after they went to school. You'd say, how was your day? You didn't want to hear, fine. But that, that wasn't the heart of your question. It was, I remember when, when Owen, our oldest, was in kindergarten. And I was so excited when he would come home from school. Because especially like the first day, I was like, he's going to have so much to tell me. And so I'm waiting with bated breath for him to finally come out of the doors. And I'm like, Owen, how was your day? This is the biggest day of your life. This is amazing. How was your day? It was good. <laughs> what did you do? I don't really remember. You just, you just left. Like you just walked out the door. How do you not remember? But the heart of the question that when we ask, when, when our parents asked us or when you asked your kids, how was your day? The heart of the question wasn't that you just hoped to hear, that's good, that's fine, not bad, that was all right. The, the heart of the question is, tell me everything. So I dropped you off at 8.05. What happened at 8.06? Okay, now tell me about 807. Now tell me about it. And we're going to relive this thing until it's bedtime because I want to know everything about everything. There was this girl, Stella, in your class. What did you think of her? You know, every, tell me everything about everything because I want to know it all. That's how God wants us to share with him. He doesn't want us to say, you know, my son, how are you? I'm good. Things are good. It's all right. Pretty good. Well, how was your day? I don't know. It's fine. Whatever. We need to talk to God with reverence and respect. But it's okay to talk casually. It's okay to come to God honestly. Like you would 
with your best friend. We have, we have some friends, and the first time we were at their house, and, and we were praying for dinner. A friend's name is Brian. And he began his prayer, and he said, Hi, Dad. And then began to pray. And I didn't know how I felt about that. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to, you know, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for, to, you know, but it was, hi, Dad. And it was just this expression of, of Jesus saying, you should call me Abba Father. Call me Daddy. Now, I'm not compelling you to start your prayers that way, but what we have to understand is, is God wants us to come to him as if we know him. Come to him as if he knows us. So the next time something happens that makes you feel sad, angry, overwhelmed, excited, passionate, before you call a friend, pause and, and tell God first. Sometimes we're, we're afraid to, to tell God what's deep down inside of us because we think somehow if we don't give voice to it, that God doesn't know it. That, that somehow I know that inside I'm feeling a certain way about certain things, but, but if I just project a certain image to God, that's what he'll get. Forget that I can read a thousand times in the Bible that God knows our thoughts before we think them, that God sees the heart of man, that God knows the inside of us. But sometimes we think, well, I can't say to God how I feel about this. Because I think he'll be mad at me, so I'm going to try and say it different, or I'm just going to try and not say it. But he already knows our hearts. Those thoughts that you thought, that you thought maybe God doesn't know them, God knows them. He's already there. The times when you were mad at God, but you didn't want to verbalize it, you didn't want to say it, he knew, he knows. And here's the great part. He loves you the same is even though we think, i got to keep this from him, not only did we not keep it from him, but he loves you the same. Our prayers can't upset him, shock him, overwhelm him. He's unshakable. We can see this in, in many places where, where we see some people pray some pretty challenging things toward God and toward others. In, in Psalm 74, verses 9, 10, and 11, it will say this. We are given no signs from God. No prophets are left. And none of us knows how long this will be. How long will the enemy mock you, God? Will the foe revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand, take it from the folds of your garment and destroy them? See, now when we read that, and when we translate that, we translate it in a way that is accurate, but it also kind of dresses it up a little bit. Because you don't talk like that. I don't talk like that. But what he's saying here is, God, why aren't you doing anything? God, they're making fun of you. And yet you're doing nothing. God, I need to understand, why are you doing nothing? And then we read a phrase like, take, it for, or take, your, take your right hand from the folds of your garment and destroy them. It's a really nice way of, God, get your hands out of your pockets and do something. Because I would never say, take your arm from the folds of your garment. 
It's a very clean way. God, get your hands out of your pockets. Is that what's going on? We, we read in places of scripture where it'll say like, oh God, arise from your slumber. He's saying, God, wake up. God, what are you doing? In Psalm 58, we read David, the man that the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart. We, we see David write this about people he sees as wicked. Break the teeth in their mouth, O God. Have you ever prayed anything like that? God, punch them. Right in the mouth. Knock their teeth out, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Punch them in the face. God longs for us to share more than delicate, cleaned up prayers for him. He wants all of us. He wants your heart. He wants you to come to him like you know him and to come to him like he knows you. He wants the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because pouring out our burdens to him, pouring out our hearts to him, is what allows him to take them from us. First Peter will say, cast all your cares on him. That means we have to give voice to them. That means we have to verbalize them. That I can't hold on to everything and then say, God, why haven't you taken it from me? We'll say, give it all over to God and he will take them from you. And the last thing that we're going to talk about today in regards to prayer. Prayer is easy. Prayer is hard. Prayer is a performance, but also prayer is not just talking. Prayer isn't just us talking to God. Prayer isn't a one-way street. It's, it's not an invitation to simply talk, but it's an invitation to a conversation. And, and most good conversations that you've ever had where you've left a conversation going, well, that was a really good conversation. I really enjoyed that was not someone walking up to you, talking for five minutes, turning around and leaving. You're like, oh, that was a really great conversation. I'm so glad I got to spend that time with them. You're like, what was that? And this is what prayer is an invitation to. It's about coming and speaking to God and then allowing God to speak to us. It's about sitting in the silence and listening. There's so much noise in the world that, that when it gets quiet, it can be a little unnerving. We, we have to learn how to embrace the silence if we want to hear God's voice. But listening, it isn't idle. It's not just somehow, I'm going to sit here for 30 seconds and wait. It's active. It requires a conscious decision to tune in to the one who's speaking. I know now more than ever, all of you will be familiar with this kind of circumstance. When you've been having a conversation with someone, when you're talking with someone, when you're, you're sharing with someone and you're wanting to open up to them, and then they pull out their phone. And in theory, they can still hear you. Unless they pulled out their phone and put in their headphones as well, in which case maybe take a hint. Um, but, but 
you're talking with someone and you're pouring your heart out and you're, you're wanting to open up and, and all of a sudden their phone buzzes and they just pick up the phone and you, you, they can still hear you, but quite clearly they've become at least partially disengaged with what's going on. And now it's, are we, are we still together? I, I don't know. And so listening to God is not just, okay, God, I'm going to sit in silence and listen for your voice. What's on Facebook right now? It's still silent. The still small voice can, can still be there. No, we, we've disengaged at least partly from the conversation. We can be so caught up in, in what we're saying to God that we forget to listen or, or we can be so uncomfortable with listening that, that we need to distract ourselves from the fact that we're listening which stops us from being able to listen. But friends, God is speaking to us all the time. God, God speaks through his word. God speaks to your heart. God speaks through nature. God speaks through notes from a friend. God speaks through music. God speaks through movies. God can speak to you in any number of ways. When you feel like your pastor, when you're here at church or you're hearing someone speak and you feel like, oh, this is speaking directly to me, or, or you have a revelation reading your old journal, that's God speaking to you. There's no method that's beyond his reach. Turn, turning your ear to God, turning, turning our hearts to God, turning our ear, to, it takes quiet and it takes practice. The more you're familiar with his character, and this is why we talked about last week, start with reading the word of God because then we get to know God. And then when we get to know God, then we can understand what it is that God would say to us. Because then I know God and I know his voice and I know that's him speaking to me. And so the more that we get familiar with, with God, with his character and his word, the easier it becomes to identify that, yeah, that's the Lord speaking to me. Don't be discouraged in the process. God is pleased that you're trying. Even when the silence is uncomfortable, continue to lean in and listen for his whispers. If you don't feel like praying, you got something to pray about. If you don't feel like praying, pray about that. If you're angry, tempted, or discouraged, pray about that. When we pray, we can tell God whatever's on our mind. Prayer, is, it's both easy and challenging at the same time. The hardest thing about praying is the small gap between thinking about praying and actually praying. The gap that exists that I, I know I should pray so then I'm going to pray. That's, that is a tiny gap. The hardest part is just to begin. The hardest part is to just start praying. And so my invitation to us today, my invitation to you today, shrink that gap. 
Acknowledge any fear, resistance, or discomfort you might feel. And then take a moment to practice your new habit of prayer. Don't worry about what to say. Recognize that you're in God's presence. Talk to him like anyone else and tell him whatever's on your mind. If you find it hard to pray, tell him that and ask for his help. Today, I'll encourage you not to see prayer as not, or not as something you're adding, but as a way to manage some of the stress and anxiety and complexity in your life. Don't see it as another thing. See it as a way to, to shift some of your life to God. God calls us to do that. Again, in 1 Peter, cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. Jesus will say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Cast your cares upon me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we come to God in prayer, it's not a duty. It's, it's a refreshing Today, I want to invite you, spend some time in prayer. Speak with God in heartfelt prayer. Tell God what's on your mind. He, he loves when we talk to him in prayer. So just keep praying. Just start praying. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that in your infinite mercy, in your infinite grace, your infinite compassion upon us, you didn't call us to try and live this life alone. That you didn't give us the rules and the parameters and say, now figure it out. You didn't call us to walk through this life and, and do it without you. But God, I thank you that from the very beginning, we see that you created us to be in relationship with you. And God, I thank you that you've given us this gift of prayer, this gift of this thing that we have where we can come and enter into conversation with you. This gift that we have where, where we can come and speak to the one who created us, the one who knows us from inside out, the one who put all of those feelings and all of those things inside of us. God, I thank you that we can come to you in that place. And God, I pray that as we, as we go through life, God, keep us from taking, or take, keep us from becoming complacent with, with prayer. God, keep us from, from allowing our prayer lives to dull. And God, for those gathered here today who, who are in that place, God, I thank you that you don't come at us with, with anger or frustration. You just merely come with an invitation. Come to me. And so, God, I pray that for each one of us, in each life represented here, in each life that's watching, in each life that will hear this, God, would you stir up in our hearts a bigger passion for prayer. God, I'm so grateful that you want to commune your spirit with ours. And God, help us to live each day fully aware of your presence in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Sometimes we feel so lost, we think we'll never be found. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. 
can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on our pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go.